Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of 72 Weeks. My name is Daniel and I'm the Head of Outreach and Communications at New College, which is part of the University of Oxford. This podcast is called 72 Weeks, as that's the average length of an undergraduate degree course here at Oxford. And each episode I'll be talking to two people about how life can change, and indeed has changed, during that relatively short piece of time. Each episode, the people interviewed will have a common thread, or indeed threads, that they share with the other person. And this week, I'm delighted to be joined by current New College undergraduate Sarah and New College graduate Chris. Sarah is a first-year chemist, and Chris read English. Both hail originally from different parts of the country, so the connection may not initially appear obvious, but my two guests have a special connection in that Chris was the head teacher of Sarah's school, the Churchill Academy in Somerset. So, welcome, and good morning, Chris and Sarah. So, Sarah, we'll start with you. Um, you're a few weeks in now to your first year here at New College. How has it gone so far? It has been amazing, but... Very, very busy. Busy in what way? Um, well, there's lots of socialising and making friends and going out with them. But also I've got a lot of contact hours and a lot of lectures, labs, lab reports, cheat sheets, that sort of thing. Okay. So how many hours a day would you say you're working on average? Um, depends on whether I'm in the lab or not. Okay. If I've got a lab day, I'll do a nine to five day of contact hours and then maybe like an hour or two afterwards doing cheat sheets or lab reports and things. Otherwise, I do a bit less because, yeah. Okay. So I always think science sets you up quite well for the working world, really, because Probably, it's, yeah. it's a bit like having a job, whereas yeah. arts and humanities is far <laughs> looser um, in terms of managing your time. So, Chris, what can you remember about your first few weeks in new college? I can definitely remember the socialising that Sarah's describing and that, that warm welcome that was there and uh, yeah it was um, uh, really well set up then and, and you know I'm sure it's the same now just to kind of bring in people from such diverse backgrounds and all over the, the world actually and help them make friends and um, my contact hours were certainly a lot less as an English student <laughs> than Sarah's were but I did spend an awful lot of time uh, reading and in the library um, and that's a you know that's a habit that I've been set up well with for life you know uh, still reading voraciously uh, all these years later. Well done even though you're a busy headmaster as well so it's <laughs> difficult to find time to read. Um, so when did you both then think Sarah we'll start with you when did you think of applying to Oxford University? Um, well, in year 11, we came on that visit to New College, and that made me think, oh, maybe maybe this is somewhere I would think about applying. And then during school, we'd have people come back who were at Oxford at the time, and they would talk to us about it, and then that made me think, this is actually achievable, and I could try this. And Chris, why do you think that is an alien concept? For students in your school, why do you think you know, Oxford is seen that way? So I think this is really, really interesting. And, and um, uh, one of the things I've really pushed for throughout my career as a teacher after Oxford is uh, demystifying the kind of process of Oxford and the reality of Oxford. And part of the reason why I brought that group of Year 11 students to New, to new College, uh, including Sarah, just before the pandemic in 2019, was just to do that, to take the, the mystique out of it, to recognise that, that you know it was an achievable thing, to recognise that it was something that wasn't beyond anyone um, in that group from applying for. And then, you know, I'm really delighted to hear Sarah saying how impactful the, the alumni programme is because um, she'll be on it very soon. Um, but we, we, we like to bring back ex-students from Churchill Academy in Sixth Form who have gone on to Oxford or Cambridge um, 
to talk to students who might be thinking about it and it, 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 it demystifies the process of application but it also makes it real that they were sat in the same classrooms as them not so long ago and um, certainly my experience is that um, I went to a, an independent boys school and uh, it was never a question that applying for Oxford was going to be something that we weren't entitled to you know half of my English class ended up going to Oxford or Cambridge and mm. my highly selective um, public school and I think um, part of my kind of mission as an educator and as a teacher is to um, try and level the playing field a bit because I think um, you know you don't get students from from these these top private schools who even think twice about their right to apply to Oxford whereas I think for comprehensive schools um, uh, people need to, to see the reality of what it might be like and also to, to think that they have as much right to a place at Oxford or Cambridge as anyone does um, and it's you know it's fab fantastic for me really rewarding for me to see people like Sarah um, and other um, ex-Churchill Academy students um, who, are, who are forging that, that path and, and making it more real for, for students who are going to follow in their footsteps. So you mentioned there that you went to an, an independent school and it was almost seen as a, a rite of passage, really the next logical step to apply to Oxford. Mm. So what, what sort of preparation did you have then that perhaps it made the, the concept of applying to Oxford less intimidating, less daunting? Yeah. Um, I think there was a lot of preparation for... Well, A, there, a, there was a track record. So, you mm. know, when I came up for my interview, for example, there was someone studying my subject from my school in the year above who was there ready to say, you know... So, so it was very much people from my school do this and that's what happens. So that's the kind of inbuilt um, privilege or whatever it is that's in that process. But there was also a very well-established programme to prepare you for the entrance exams and... Um, you know uh, the interview process we have mock interviews and all that kind of stuff and those are things that we replicate at um, at Churchill now so we have a mock interview program and um, you know we do uh, have, have a, a specialist tutor in sixth form who helps students prepare for the uh, various entrance exams they have to do now quite different uh, to my day and um, you know we, we try our, our very best to ensure that the playing field is as level as possible um, but ultimately it comes down to like that moment of realisation that Sarah was describing where she suddenly you know our students suddenly think I, I can do this this is this is a feasible option for me um, and uh, I'll, I'll if, you know if I don't apply I'll never know mm. um, and uh, and that's great to hear that that's having the impact that it has and it's fabulous to see Sarah um, being a beneficiary of that and, and, and being uh, as successful as, as she is being there. And Sarah, in terms of experience, what's been the best thing about being in New College so far? Um, all of the people. Yeah. There's some really nice people in my year and they're all really friendly. I don't think I've met anyone that I don't go on really well with. <laughs> and how hard was it to make friends? Because th those first few days can be really difficult, really hard. Um, it was okay because there were so many activities on during Freshers' Week and everyone was very friendly and everyone was in the same position pretty much. So we'd all just talk to each other during these events and then make friends. Good, good to hear. And what are you finding particularly difficult at the moment, if anything? Um, it is kind of managing my time a bit because I do suddenly have quite a lot of work to do, which I didn't have with Freshers' Week. Yeah. But it's, it's doable because I'm really enjoying my subject. Good. Um, and Chris, if we talk, you mentioned um, you studied English at university. Why did you decide to, to apply to study English? 
<laughs> I think it was um, obviously a love of books is there, but actually fundamentally it came down to wanting to find out more about particular parts of literature. So um, I was particularly interested in modern American poets. That was the thing that got me going at um, A level, and it was only a very small part of the A level, but you know I really loved it, and I, I thought well. I really want to know more. I want to know more about this. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought a degree in English was a way in there. But also <coughs> education was, you know, was always in my family and always in my mind as a career. Um, and, uh, you know, I couldn't think of anything better than spending my career talking to kids about books. I mean, that seemed like an absolute win. Um, and as it happens in the role I'm doing now, I do that a bit less uh, because as, as the leader of a school, I don't teach as much, although I do still teach. Um, but it certainly was a fantastic 20-odd years of, doing, of doing, talking about books with kids, and I still, um, I still make time to do that whenever possible. So as a head teacher, then, how do you instill a, a love of reading to the children that you may not teach directly, but how, how, how do you organise that in a school? Well, there's, there's, there's quite a few ways, but, but um, obviously we've got our, our kind of curriculum that's set up with reading at the centre of it, but also a, you know, a really thriving school library, that I know, not, you know, some schools have, have, have swapped out libraries for things like learning resource centres and computer suites and so on. And we have fought tooth and nail to keep our library, to keep our librarian, to keep our library assistant and make that a kind of hub of the school. So books do sit at the heart of the school. <clears throat> but as well as that, talking to students about what I'm reading at the moment and what they're reading and can you recommend something for me? You know, I'm, I read as much young adult fiction as I do grown up stuff. And um, that's to kind of keep in with what's happening in that genre at the moment. And kids' eyes always light up when, you know, if you see them reading in tutor time or, or around the school and you think, oh, I've read the other one in that series, is this one any good? And they just, they love to talk to you about books. And then the kids around them who see that conversation happening, um, you know, tap into that and recognise that reading is something that um, will get them places and, and that, that is, is okay. It's partly what, what we were just talking about earlier, you know, if they see it happening, they see that their teachers read, they see that their peer group read then it, it makes it okay, just like seeing someone go to university, you know, mm. that, that, that sense of, oh, that's, that's something that we can do. And then it becomes more, um, more acceptable and more, um, more viable for them to do that. And Sarah, I was talking to a few uh, recent graduates a couple of weeks ago, and they said one of the things they enjoy the most now is rediscovering reading for pleasure <laughs> rather than reading for the purpose of academic study. Um, is reading something that you enjoy and is it something that's just gone by the wayside now that you're just focusing on your chemistry? Yeah, I do really, really enjoy reading, but I haven't had very much time to read for pleasure since going to uni. So, <laughs> so it's difficult, isn't it? It's yeah. Sort of finding time to actually read, even though you're studying all the time, is, is quite a difficult thing to do. So, Chris, you mentioned um, uh, teenage fiction there. Um, more broadly, who's your favourite author? Um, do you have a favourite novel of all time? If yeah, so, what I, is I it? do, I do. And it's still, it's still Sylvia Plath. That, uh, that was the one that hit me when I was about 17, um, reading some of her poems from Ariel, but then reading The Bell Jar. That was what got me interested in... in I, mean, I was always interested in literature, but that's what really, really sparked my interest. Mm. And I just still think that her ability to turn a phrase and to capture like a feeling in words is, I, I think, unparalleled in my experience. Maybe it's because it hit me when I was a teenager and it's, it's gone deep within me. Um, but still, that's something that I can read and I just have to kind of put it down and go for a little walk I mean, <laughs> just to kind of mm. work it out of my system, just the, uh, the emotion of it. So really, really love, love Plath and... Uh, 
you know, I've got a whole shelf at home devoted to various editions of her work that um, is probably a bit self-indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> and what books do you recommend your students to read? Oh, well, it depends on the student. You know, right. I think uh, finding, finding the thing that, that works for them is great. And, um, you know, having teenage kids myself and, uh, you know, seeing what works with them is really, really useful. Um, but, you know, I think dystopias are really big at the moment. And, um, you know, there's, there's various strands of dystopia that you can recommend to kids. And maybe it's because we're almost living through one that it's become so pertinent to, <laughs> to our young people. Yeah. But um, they, re- they do really enjoy, um, enjoy those. And, and, you know, there's, there's a wide range of those that are available to them. And it gets them thinking about bigger issues in the world and, and how things may or may not go in the future. And I always find that really interesting conversation to have with them. Mm. So if we talk about New College then, um, Chris, can you remember, why did you choose to apply to New College specifically? So we uh, came with my mum and we had a look round Oxford and uh, we were largely guided by architecture. Um, so I uh, had a few, a few things there, but also I knew that I wanted uh, a big college. I felt that that would be be better for me, just to kind of a, a, a large group of people. That, um, so I, I knew I'd be able to find people that were like me and that were friendly. I've always quite enjoyed being part of a, a bigger institution. So that was that was good. Um, but uh, a new college was, was just beautiful. And then there was that thing that there was another... Um, English student from my school who was already doing English at New College, um, who by just weird coincidence was also my babysitter when I was a tiny, <laughs> tiny child. Um, so we knew the family uh, uh, pretty well, and um, uh, so that, that just sort of helped helped sum it up really. Um, and yeah, I was delighted to get in and uh, never look back. Loved it. And Sarah, what about you? Why did you pick New College? Um, well, I was looking through online at all these different colleges and what I was asking myself is could I see myself being there? And New College, I could see myself being there. And it's a very nice college. I like this a big year group. So, Chris, what's your favourite thing about New College and where's your favourite place within <laughs> well, the college? You mentioned the architecture. Yeah, it, I mean, it's 100% the cloisters. Uh, that's my favourite place in college and has been since my interview, really. Um, I can remember before my interview uh, with Craig Rain, who was my tutor in English, um, I went to the cloisters and, and just read a couple of poems back to myself just to remind myself what I was um, what I was talking about in my interview. But the quietness, the peace and calm of the cloisters, this was pre-Harry Potter as well, so. Hmm. Um, but the, the calm and quiet of the cloisters is just, I find it a really centering, calming place. And um, whenever I was feeling stressed by, by work or anything uh, during my undergraduate degree, the cloisters would always be a place I would just go and just just take ten minutes, just in the peace and quiet, just to be really, really calm. And um, yeah, and then Harry Potter and seeing it on the big screen was also <laughs> lovely. But uh, uh, that was a few years later on. But that's definitely my favourite place. Um, and but what Sarah said about the people is is absolutely true. And um, it's been lovely to come back to New College today. And I'm actually meeting up with a, a friend of mine from undergraduate days a bit later this afternoon. Oh, lovely! Just to uh, just to kind of go over all the times and catch yeah. up with each other again. And you mentioned pre-Harry Potter there. So when, sort of measure things pre-Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, so when were you a student at New College? Uh, I was there 93 to 96. Okay. So how do you think the student life, in your opinion, how has it changed, do you think, compared to the world of today? So what I remember, well, I think the, the crucial thing is that it was pre... So I got my first email, like, in my second or third year at uni. So, right. um, you know, we didn't have uh, email, we didn't have... 
certainly with my mobile phones. So communication was through going around to people's rooms and leaving physical notes on their doors. There was a little kind of push pin pad on everyone's door and you'd write a note. And we used to get quite creative with those over time. Um, and that was it, you know, we, we didn't have uh, room to room phones or anything like that. So it literally was, if you wanted to meet up, you had to arrange it uh, mm. like in advance and, and see people there and, and drop notes on people's doors and so on and so forth. Um, so I think I think the kind of communication side is, is different um, now. I can remember getting a, a postcard with my first year results on it from my tutors in the post, in the mail. Um, uh, so I guess that's that's a significant difference. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not too good with distraction and procrastination, so I don't know how I'd have coped doing my degree mm. if I'd had a mobile phone with me. I think uh, that's been very self-disciplined. Um, but I can, I can see the benefits in terms of, like, the access to the internet and so on being a really useful resource for, for study as well. Um, but, but we didn't know any of that. <laughs> when I was studying, yeah. I wrote most of my essays in my first year with a fountain pen on paper. There's something quite nice about that, though, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> it was nice. Yeah. And, um, Sarah, we, you know, even though the student experience may have changed, there are some traditions, not just in New College, but in Oxford, that have been there for a very, very long time. Um, how have you found those sorts of things? Going to a, you know, a formal hall in the dining hall you know, wearing a gown, perhaps, um, going through your matriculation. How have you found that side of Oxford? Because it's quite alien. It is alien, but I think it's really cool (laughs) because all these people before me have done this. And then, especially matriculation day, it was like nothing ever before. But it was really quite exciting. So tell us about matriculation and and what that is. Matriculation. Um, So we wear our subvask and then we walked from college to... Um, the Sheldonian um, we sat in the Sheldonian and they said a few words in Latin to each other and then explained what the Latin meant and then we left and celebrated for the rest of the day Good. <laughs> had a bit of a party yeah. <laughs> and what is, you mentioned this, you have to wear subfusk, yeah. what is that? well for, for me subfusk is like a white blouse with a black ribbon and black skirt, it's and black shoes. So it's a bit like a uniform, isn't, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Chris, can you remember wearing your subfusk? Yeah, yeah, you have to wear them for your exams as well. So, yeah. you know, it's a white bow tie for, for guys, I think, isn't it? And, mm. and um, the gown goes on as well. Uh, but like Sarah says, when you kind of are part of these traditions, you feel part of something that stretches back hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, that people have been doing for a very long time. And you do feel like you're being inducted into something that that is that means something significant that mm. you feel part of a tradition, um, and almost like you feel a responsibility not to not to let them down. You know, mm. you feel the weight of that, especially in a really old college like, ironically, like New College, um, where you know there's been generations and generations of people before you um, studying and doing doing really interesting things. You kind of feel like, well, you know, that's me now, and mm. um, that feels really good. I think really empowering. Yeah. And after New College, yeah. you did your English degree, yeah. you mentioned that teaching is in your blood. Is it something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, from a really uh, early age, so by my blood, I mean, you know, my grandparents were both teachers, my parents were both teachers, my cousin's a teacher, you know, it, it absolutely uh, runs deep, deep within. So I'm the third generation of, uh, of my family to be a head teacher. Um, although I'm the first one to do that in secondary, my, my granddad and my dad were both primary heads. Um, so I always wanted to teach um, and um, after my 72 weeks at Oxford, um, I, I knew I was going to do a PGCE and I was, 
I, I just felt like I needed a change, so I applied to Nottingham to do my PGCE. Um, having done my, my I didn't want to, like I said, I didn't want to tarnish it. Like I'd done my, my degree and that was just a really fabulous experience. And I kind of, I thought, right, don't milk it. You know, you, mm. you've done your time at Oxford. Now let's go and try something different. Um, so I went to Nottingham to do my PGCE. Got my first teaching job in Nottingham. My philosophy always was, um, if you're not, you know, you're pretty sure you're going to be, you're going to enjoy this. But if you're not enjoying teaching, don't do it because there's nothing worse than being taught by someone whose heart's not in it. I think mm. anyway, that's my 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 feeling about it. But I did love it, and uh, I've loved it ever since. And um, yeah, I got my first job in 1997 after my PGCE in North Nottinghamshire. And uh, taught there, taught in, in, in and around the East Midlands for uh, a few years, and then moved down to the Southwest in 2010 um, to be a deputy head, and then um, in 2016, uh, head teacher at, at Churchill, where um, where Sarah went. And um, yeah, just, I mean, you know, love education, love working with young people, love the idea that, that you're part of um, building the next generation and, and opening up opportunities for them. and. Um, you know, it's it's difficult and challenging, but mm. most careers are, and um, you know the rewards I think in teaching have been have been really really uh, special, and uh, it's just great to to meet individual products of that, like coming back and seeing Sarah and seeing the fact that she's gone through seven years of school where I've been I've been the head and she's done all right, and that's uh, that's that's a good feeling that I've not broken it. You know, <laughs> she's doing okay. So Sarah, you can be honest here. <laughs> Uh, as a former student of Chris's, was he a good head teacher? Yes, definitely. And, and why was that? Why was he a good head teacher or an excellent head teacher? I think because you were always there. Like you'd walk around school and you would be there and you'd be helping people and you wouldn't be scary, which is quite important because sometimes teachers are quite scary, but you really weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when I was when we were all applying to uni, if we sent you our personal statements, you like reply really quickly with really good feedback and good quality advice on how to apply. Yeah, I feel like you just knew us as individuals as well rather than, yeah. Mm. That was quite emotional. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> nice thing for you, Chris, for half to whom. Can I have um, that written down somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can jot it down when you listen back. Um, but Chris, in your opinion then, as a head teacher, what does make a good head teacher? Well, I'm just I'm, I'm blown away by what Sarah said because those are the things that I try to do where you feel like every child at your, that is in your school is, is one of my students and I care about them all. And then obviously, I, you know, there are nearly 1,700 of them in my school, so right. I, can't, um, I can't speak to every single one of them every single day, but I, I want them all to know that I'm interested in them and that I care about them and I want them to do well. And um, so I think being present, being visible, having those conversations, chatting to people... Um, you know, being being there for them uh, when they need you, I think is really, really important. And trying to understand where they're coming from, what they're going through. Um, it's a big team effort, education at the best of times, and just making sure you've got the people around you who can who can do that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, all of those things I think are really, really, really important. And it's a difficult job, but an ultimately extremely rewarding job. But what is the hardest thing about being a head teacher of a school? Um, well, it's not it's not being able to do everything that you know you need to be able to do to, for all the children. Um, so you know, uh, in any in any in any institution in any job, but particularly in education, I think you know we know that we're 
we don't have the resource to do to provide the level of education I know we could do. You know, if I if I had adequate resource, I know how much better a job we could all do. Um, so that's really frustrating, particularly for students who, um, you know, are disadvantaged or have have um, you know barriers and obstacles that need to be overcome. And you know that there is a limit to what you can actually offer. And you know that if you had more, you could do so much more. I think that's really frustrating. So that's the most frustrating thing. That's the thing that really um, winds me up when I go home from school of, of a day, knowing that if I had if I had adequate resource, I could do more. Um, so you, you just have to contain yourself with knowing you've done everything you could with what you had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, know, know that you've done done your best. Really, I think that's 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 the most important thing. And in your opinion. Um why, or perhaps if there are any potential graduates listening to this who perhaps are finishing their degree this year, <laughs> why would you say to them to consider a career in teaching? Well, the reason I went into teaching was that I really loved English, I loved books, mm. and you know, I, I didn't know I was going to be a head teacher when I started. Um, and I, you know, it's an opportunity to pass that on, you know, to spend your career in the subject that you love, um, passing that that passion on to, mm-hmm. to, to young people and not all of them are going to love your subject um, but hopefully they'll see the point of it um, and it, you know it's great to hear chemists like Sarah saying that they still enjoy reading you know that, that's um, that's a sign of what a good English teacher can do and, and how that can work um, and although I'm not a chemist you know I did love my chemistry when I was at school as well because my teachers loved it and mm-hmm. they and they they were passionate about it and excited about it and I think um, you know if you love your subject and you and you know a lot about it, then teaching is something where you can really um, think deeply about your subject every day and and help um, help other people see what you see in it. Mm. And Sarah, do you have any ideas about what you'd like to do in the future? The nice thing about having the next four years is that I can work it out. I think I do want to do something to do with chemistry, maybe chemical research, but I haven't decided what area yeah. of chemistry. You've got plenty of time. Yeah. Plenty of time to have a think about what you'd like to do because chemistry, it's not a 72 weeks, it's a four year course, yeah. isn't it? So you've actually got 72 plus whatever 24 is. Mm. Uh, can't do that quickly this morning. But, um, there we go. Um, and Chris, coming back to teaching, um, this was something that when I was teaching, I always found quite depressing as a, st- a statistic that. A Sutton Trust report, which was published in 2016, concluded that 43% of state secondary school teachers say they would rarely or never advise their bright pupils to apply to Oxbridge. Now, why do you think this is? And then what can be done about that? Yeah, I remember seeing that report and I, I, I was flabbergasted and I don't understand why. I guess there are still, you know, societal misconceptions and prejudices about what Oxford and Cambridge are. Um, and uh, you know, I think those are wrong. I, well, I know those mm. are wrong. They're, they're not. You know, um, and ultimately, um, there is an inequity in terms of um, state school versus private school intake to Oxford and Cambridge. But the only way that's going to change is if more state school people apply. So I don't know why you wouldn't um, advise um, advise someone to apply if if they're interested and if they're capable. Why wouldn't you? Like, it's one of your five choices on your UCAS form. Mm. Um, nobody who applies to Oxford is guaranteed a place. That just doesn't happen. So you've got to go into it with your eyes open, knowing that you will do your best. And if you don't get in, you don't get in. But there, is, there are plenty of other really, really excellent universities out there. That was certainly my attitude in applying. Mm. But I don't know why you wouldn't 
why you wouldn't have a go at that and I really don't understand it and certainly it's not, not an attitude that we take at Churchill mm. um, and uh, you know we, we would always encourage our students to be ambitious with their choices and, and to and to not not to feel that they don't have any right to, to anything really that you know they're as good as anyone and mm. um, uh, if they didn't put that hat in the ring then they're never going to get 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 the chance and, yeah. uh, that's absolutely our philosophy so I don't understand it but it must come down to I think societal prejudice and also uh, a lack of experience that people you know had to have met someone from Oxford and Cambridge don't know what it's like mm. haven't taken the time to go and find out more um, and certainly when I came with Sarah and her peers to New College and hearing all the work that's going on with outreach and helping people from underrepresented groups to understand that they have just as much right to an application as anyone um, I find that really heartening and encouraging and mm. uh, you know I think the Oxford of 2022 is 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 a much more egalitarian place than perhaps it was even in, in the 90s when I was when I was applying. It's good to hear. Um, on a less serious note, <laughs> when you were a, a, a student here, Chris, what did you do outside of your English degree? Uh, I did I did a lot, a uh, lot of socialising, which was which was great. Um, I was uh, hooked into trying out uh, trying out rowing in my first week. And uh, once they've got their hooks in, they don't let you go in the right. club. So I was rowing for three years. I honestly don't think I've ever been fitter than I was in my, in my third year of, of uh, Oxford. I wasn't a very good rower, but I was very enthusiastic. Um, lots of music and drama, you know, just basically tried to get involved with as much as I could. Um, just, you know, try things out. Bit of filmmaking as well. That was quite interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, so it was just you know, lots and lots of, of exciting things. I was in bands and plays and all sorts of stuff so it was great any good band names terrible band names. terrible <laughs> any band terrible names. band names yeah we were in a band called beetroot that was b-e-a-t-r-o-u-t-e oh, okay yeah. like the beatles right you like like the beatles yeah, yeah but not really like them. <laughs> um yeah yeah so we were in a, we were in a few uh, the rest i think it's probably best if we if we uh, we move on okay <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Um, and Sarah, what about you? Because the first few weeks can be a bit overwhelming. You sort of sign up for everything. Um, what have you signed up for? Um, at the moment, I'm doing college orchestra because mm. I'm a flautist. And we're in the process of creating a ultimate frisbee team for the college. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> Explain what ultimate frisbee is, if anybody doesn't know. It's kind of a combination between rugby, netball obviously frisbee itself and can't remember what the other sport mm. is but you have two teams of seven people and you've got to try and get the frisbee to the end zone of each end and you can't move with the frisbee so you've just got to pass it and yeah and tell me about your um musical background um so i've been playing flute since i was seven and I was really lucky because my primary school had a school orchestra, so I was in that. And then we have a lot of um, music stuff going on in secondary school. So I did flute group, I did concert band, I did orchestra, and there were other music things. And, yeah. and have you made use of the Claw Music Studios here at New College yet? Um, yeah, we had an orchestra rehearsal in there on Friday, and they were really nice. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful rooms. Um, and... Chris, I've, I've got to ask you this. So we follow you on Twitter uh, as a head teacher, and 
you would be very interested in a rapidly growing society here at Oxford, which is the Taylor Swift Society. Um, so a lot of my student helpers have joined this society. It seems to be growing rapidly. You're a big fan. Huge. What is it about Taylor Swift? So, is that, I mean, obviously, you know, I predated Taylor Swift at Oxford, but I would have been, like, chair of the Taylor Swift Society. <laughs> um, so, well, you know, uh, I think it was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She makes us all feel things, that's the thing. So she, like, she captures uh, different emotions and feelings. But also, I just, I'm just in awe of her as a businesswoman, I think. Right. Her ability, like, like so I, part of my, my job is teaching media as well, and just seeing the way that she... Um, she, she kind of runs the business of the music industry is is an astonishing thing and I know I'm being completely manipulated into spending money I don't need to spend and and you know I'm glad to do it and I don't know how she manages that it's a, it's an astonishing thing um, so uh, yeah she's uh, she's a real inspiration and she makes her way into probably too many assemblies of mine at school uh, and and leavers assemblies and speeches and yeah so a probably almost overreg the Taylor Swift pudding um, and uh, as Sarah will know I have a, a, a Taylor Swift portrait in my office um, oh wow and so uh, there's two portraits in my office William Shakespeare and Taylor Swift uh, <laughs> my guiding lights through, uh, through my career what two guiding lights to have um <laughs> I think as well, I mean, I have two daughters. Chris, I don't know if you, do you have a daughter? I do, yeah. I think she's a positive role model, yeah, you know, for, for young women in the world today um, that some pop stars aren't. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'd be quite happy when my daughters are older if they told me that they were into Taylor Swift. Um, Sarah, are you a fan? I am, not to the same extent, but <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Um, and Chris, do you like the new album? I love it. Yeah, really good. I'm, I've been listening to it on the way down today and uh, yeah, just trying to get, get used to all the lyrics. And she's announcing some dates, I think, isn't she, soon? Oh, yes. I'm yeah. always saving up. Right. Good. Um, and to finish with, Chris, uh, we've mentioned an average Oxford degree takes up just 72 weeks of your life. Sarah, it'll be a bit longer for you. <laughs> um, if you could relive those weeks again, what, if anything, would you do differently? And secondly, what one piece of advice um, would you offer to Sarah? Uh, those two things are very much related. So I definitely wouldn't drink as much on matriculation day as I did when I was on matriculation. That was, that was a big regret of mine. Didn't, didn't do very well on that day at all. Um, but, uh, you know, actually, I think the mistakes that I made when I was at Oxford were just as instructive as the things I got right. So I, don't, I wouldn't change a thing, really. Like, you know, things that I got wrong... Um, absolutely contributed to the success of the experience so I think for Sarah in terms of advice um, know when to stop drinking would be one obviously um, but um, uh, I think I think it's just try, try to take advantage of all the opportunities that are on, on offer to you um, and just take a moment every now and then to savour it just to kind of look around and think oh I'm really here really doing this like, I remember taking moments like that when I was when I was at Oxford just to look around and think oh wow this is this is actually happening, um, and uh, yeah, just enjoy the whole the whole thing. But uh, and also, things are going to go wrong, and you're going to make mistakes, and that's that's part and parcel of the experience. So learn as much from them as you do from all the things that you get right. I feel like there's a Taylor Swift message in there as well. well. I, could, I wish I could have found a quote <laughs> on that off the hoop. That would be great. Brilliant. Uh, well, Chris and Sarah, thank you very much for joining me this morning and for having a chat. Thanks very much.